This week on Reliving the Extreme, we are discussing the episode of ECW from January the 10th, 1995. Nate Maxson here with you, along with my brother Aaron. What's up? And glad to hear he's home from the hospital, Mr. Chad Austin. Yeah, I'm right here. I, I still got my, my wristband on. I'm keeping it. I'm going to get it bedazzled. <laughs> I signed autographs. Hang, I was going to say, hang, hang it up on the wall like it's a belt. I, I did. I hung it right, on, right along my kegerator. It, it's right next to all them little electro things they put on your chest. I took them all off and stuck them on my kegerator along with my little wristband. <laughs> it's a souvenir. <laughs> Boy, them people, them people aren't going to forget about me. As a matter of fact, I think the lovely Miss Jess is going to send them an edible arrangement because they had to deal with me for like two and a half days. Just put just putting up with you. They deserve they deserve at least some Hershey candy bars, right? They tried to they they tried to come into the room while I was watching Raw and like tried to give me medicine and give me an IV, and I'm like, "Will you stop? It's the Miz. Can you come back when you know like, like later on?" The Miz is on. And then they would wake you up at like three in the morning. You can't get any sleep in the hospital, dude. Nope. Don't think that's a safer a, a safe place. No, nope, I hate hospital rooms. I hate it. It's like you said, it's that they, they're like, Well, you need your medicine at three in the morning, but you also need your rest. Well, would you let me rest then? Stop fucking waking me up. And I'm I'm bitching about the cable channels. Like, this is the worst cable ever. I mean, luckily, I got to watch. I got to watch Raw, and I got to watch Dynamite, and I I couldn't believe it, because even even when Jess came up to visit me, like when eight o'clock came, because you know visiting hours were like nine o'clock or whatever, mm -hmm. and then she came up like after work, and she's sitting up there, and all of a sudden like Dynamite comes on, and, and then I was like, and she's talking to me. I went, so what's that? What would you say? And she goes, ah. Oh. <laughs> I see, you know. Oh wait, I think it was NXT. NXT's on. Oh, all right, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm going. Now. All right, I'll see you later. And then when when they when they discharged me, like I couldn't have I couldn't have done a better of a, of a, a working job because to tell you the truth, I don't think I should have been discharged at all. Because I'm barely walking straight today. And that's part, part of the reason why I even went in there. Like, I don't think they solved anything. Like Most times, honest to God, I think most times you get discharged from the hospital because your insurance company tells them to discharge you because they don't want to pay anymore. I really do. I think, you know, we get we get screwed over by that whole whatever you want to call it, the 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 big medical or whatever. But regardless um so my question for you fellas is um would you rather tackle a couple of questions here from our listeners or dig into chad's wikipedia page first both well i know he's asking first we'll do the questions first we haven't done questions yeah. in a while all right I got two here. Uh, the first one, and anybody, if you ever want to email me a question for us, you can email me at relivingtheextreme at gmail.com. 
Um, the first and one is if, from if, if if anybody ever wants to email me a question, you can send it to Nate. <laughs> yep, I, that's that's what I was going to say. <laughs> Don't uh, send it to me. Yeah, my email. <laughs> send it to Archie Mitchell. <laughs> there you go, Arch. The first question here is from a gentleman named James in Nevada. Considering Paul Heyman was a creative genius, but a terrible businessman, is there any feasible way ECW could have survived if he would have put someone in place to run the business end of things? Uh, of course he, he could have. Um, uh, all right, well, it, it depends. Um, Paul, he's a, um, in my opinion, is a big picture guy. Right. Right. So he's not looking at a guy who's willing to invest, say, a hundred thousand dollars. You know, he wants that guy who's going to invest in global, that Nigerian prince. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's like, I want Piet Pedicino's guy. He's got to have that kind of money because, I mean, his vision is way bigger than his budget. If that makes any sense. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know. And, and and look what he did. I mean, I, I always go back to like what him and Gilbert did in Continental in 88, 89. They took, they, you know, they took nothing. They took a dead, I mean, a flat out flatline territory and made it thrive for what, a year, year and a half, maybe. Mm-hmm. And then the, I guess the money behind, I, I don't know the whole story. But I guess the money behind it kind of ran out, you know. But yeah, I, yeah, it could have, it, it really could have, with the right, the right finances behind. It, of course, I mean, it makes that doesn't make that goes without question. And even if the show goes mainstream, uh, or you know what I mean, it, they they at a certain point, the product that ECW presented wouldn't have worked consistently on a national basis just because eventually you're going to run out of guys because they're just going to get all injured eventually and then be not be able to work but even, I don't, if, even if oh go ahead chad i don't agree with that at all because they still did it um every single week three four times a week i mean the the injuries were they, they were they weren't they were more or less outside the ring inflicted <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. It's um it's what they did outside the ring that they brought into the ring that probably contributed to them getting hurt. That's all I gotta say. Cause you don't guys in a WWE look at guys in EC whatever whatever that is, the elite company, they do the same stuff that ECW guys did, you know, not maybe not to some of the extent, but they still work next Wednesday. Right. You know, it's just the it's the it's the lifestyle, man. That lifestyle in ECW, nobody knew any better. There was no, like, you know, there was no model. There was no, like, you know, template to how to be, you know, how to deal with this kind of, I guess you'd call it fame. I'm a big star in South Philadelphia. (laughs) Would you look at me? Aaron, your response to this question, Any anything to add to what Chad said? The question was somebody with essentially if, if Paulie would have had, had a fi- good financial backer, could ECW have survived longer than it did? 
It could have, but I think that ultimately it, it, it's it kind of booked itself into a corner, in my opinion. And I think the ultimate downfall of that company was wasn't financial and it wasn't creative. It was the fact that they tried to Paul go national. didn't really work there? Well, it was the fact that it tried to go national and that <coughs> that that what they were trying to present wasn't gonna work nationally. You know what I mean? I I respectfully disagree because I don't think that it had anything to do with with um what they wanted to do. I think it was their restraints because it it it, it all to me it all became apparent when Paul became um he got in bed with Vince. Well, and not just that, what the 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 moment that really really fucked that company was when I I don't remember if it was Spike TV or TNN at the time or whatever it was, but when they decided that they were going with WWE programming so essentially they shit canned ECW programming. You know, I don't know. Then, I never I never heard that story. Yeah, because ECW was on, and again, I can't remember if it was TNN at the time or if it was Spike TV, but they were on that network and WWF left USA Sorry. and went to that network. Nate. Yeah. Well yeah, um, TNN and Spike are the same thing. I know, but I can't remember what it was called at the time. Yeah, was, I mean, don't yeah, don't forget they were going through a whole entire like transformation like aaron said so shit got lost in the shuffle you know Mm -hmm. and therefore whatever steps they took forward they lost because they lost all the footing they had because they lost the network brand that they 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 haven't even established yet exactly yeah it wasn't even there yet and they were pushing it like this is going to be our flag staff and then all of a sudden, it ain't there anymore. It's blonde date with Roger Lodge all day long. Like, like ECW shouldn't, like, they went on TNN. So it was ECW Hardcore Wrestling on the Nashville Network. What the fuck is going on? The Nashville Network was producing, like, the Grand Old Opry and fucking NASCAR racing or whatever. And then you got fucking New Jack. Like this isn't gonna work. Imagine New Jack and Minnie Pearl together. <laughs> the grand, can you imagine? Well, I mean, New Jack can come out there with his guitar. <laughs> like, can you imagine Minnie Pearl's out there? She, she's just doing her little doo-wop thing out there, and all of a sudden, you just the music changes, and it's um, whatever Dr. Dre. <laughs> and New Jack comes out there and wops Minnie Pearl. With the guitar. Just takes the tag off of her hat and just puts it right on her toe. And he starts dancing around like he does. Killed the bitch. They're going to replace, uh, in Crook and Chase, they're going to replace Crook with some guys from ECW, so it's going to be Crooks and Chase now. (laughs) Yeah. Could you just imagine the promos? Like, hey, Jack, look what I did to Vic Grimes. I, I killed Vic Grimes. I just I, I retired Chad Austin and Minnie Pearl. When's the last time you seen her? Where are you at, Conway Twitty? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus. And George Jones, don't think I ain't forgot about you. Um, 
Well, that was a long way to answer a simple question. He's like, he's like Charlie Pride is an Uncle Tom. Charlie Pride, he was a jobber in Georgia. <laughs> I watched him get beat up by 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 uh the Inferno Spiros Arion. <laughs> Well, speaking of new Jack, the other question that I have here is specifically for Chad. This is from a listener named Chris. He asks, Chad, other than the new Jack situation, was there anyone else in ECW that was an asshole to you or that you had any issues with? Oh. Um, I don't know. It, it, oh, I'm sorry. It depends on, um, like... The definition, because you know, you gotta, yeah, thank you. You gotta remember that, um, at this time, everybody's coming in and everybody's trying to get their shit over, right? And not everybody knows who everybody is, so you know, uh, I would say, like, if you want to, if you want to get that specific, I would say the eliminators, okay. Like, they were a little bit, like, they kind of, like, I, I don't want to say took us for granted, but, you know, they were a little bit, like, we were like, here we are, me and, was it me and Donnie? Me and Donnie were here to put you guys over, so there's no need to take your liberties, you know? Mm-hmm. We've, we've been here for a year, you know, a year, year and a half, or whatever it is, and there's, you know, and we, we've been here because we've earned our spot. And, um, you know what I mean? Yeah, there's no reason to potato me. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's it's not like anybody, you know, did, did anything, like, brutal over the top that I know, you know, Sam and, you know, beat me up. But, you know, no, you know, no big deal. Kind of, that, that's kind of like comes with the territory kind of crap. And yeah, I know. Like we discussed Snooka before, you know, the whole Snooka deal when you wrestled him, but. What took his liberties or, or took no, his, just... his lunch break? <laughs> <laughs> no, he took care of business. TCB, brother. <laughs> Jimmy Snooker took he took care of business. But yeah, but um, yeah, you know, it, it would have had to have been somebody who was um very very unprofessional who would have done something like that, and it was probably somebody that wasn't going to be brought back. If right. If Paul found out about that, in my in my opinion, but that's a great question, man. I appreciate that. Yep, and like I said, everybody, just email me, not Aaron, not Chad, or you can email Archie. I don't know what his email address is, but message him on Facebook. Flood is flood is flood is PMs on Facebook with questions. But again, relivingtheextreme at gmail.com if you have any questions for us. Uh, about ECW or anything else, Chad's career, etc. Speaking of Chad's career, let's dig into some more of Chad's Wikipedia page here. We'll do a paragraph, and then we'll go into this ECW show. Um, this is, we discussed it a couple of weeks ago, how apparently Maryland Championship Wrestling had shut down and then reopened in 2006. So now we're going into that period of time. Okay. Um, When Maryland Championship Wrestling resumed operations in late 2006, the Slackers were among the first alumni to return to the promotion. On February 26, 2006, the Slackers briefly won the MCW tag titles in a four-way dance with the Holy Rollers, Jason Static, and Judas Young. 
at MCW's resurrection in Dund is it Dundalk or Dundalk? Dundalk. Dundalk, Maryland. Holy yeah. Rollers, Jason Static, and Judas Young. Jason Static and Judas Young don't have a clue. <laughs> um, nope. But Holy Rollers, yeah, I mean, Rich and Earl. I mean, how many, like, would you wait till we do this, like, a few more weeks? Their names are going to pop up if you're talking about me and Dino. Yeah, um, that was a, that was like rock and roll midnights in Maryland. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If you have a, if you have a bought show, a sold show at a high school or whatever, and they like, you want a tag team match. Okay. We got a tag team match for you. It's going to be the Holy Rollers against the slackers. You know, we were, we were married to them for Jesus. I don't know. Probably the better part of two years, you know, probably close to two years. And I can't say enough about I can't say enough about the talent of Earl and Rich, because if it wasn't if it was like they didn't have to help us, you know what I mean? Right. It, it was it all depend like they were on top, and then me and Dino were the next guys, and they were cool enough to realize that okay, well these are the next guys, so you know we're going to help them out. That's that's the best part about Maryland. Maryland didn't have any jealousy. There was none of that nonsense, you know. We were all, I mean, it, it's the closest to like a real like family territory you're gonna get, because nobody had any animosity, and and, and if, yeah, if you had anybody that that had any animosity towards anything that was happening, it was guys that were being brought in, right? It wasn't guys that were that were trained there, you know, because we, we all taught everybody like it's the business. It is what it is. This is what we're doing. If you're not figured in right now, doesn't mean you're not going to be figured in, you know, three months from now. Considering we're running, what, three shows a month? We don't have yeah, to. That, that, that was going to be my next question <clears throat> as far as an indie goes, because I know there's some uh, there's some that run once a month. You know, there's some that run twice a month. I was going to ask you how many, how many times a month uh, MCW ran. We, we used to run, I mean, we used to run steady once a month for, Jesus Christ, like the better part of two decades. And then all of a sudden, we all got together, uh, me, me included, me, Dennis, Danny, uh, a bunch of the guys that had been there forever. And we decided that we were going to like, there's other parts of Maryland, which isn't the biggest state in the world. But I mean, people that are in, I don't know, I'd just say Dundalk. They can, they can get this show, and then we can drive two and a half hours, you know, to the eastern shore to a, a town called Cambridge and do a show where, you know, at the other show, Bob was the heel. I was a baby face. We can drive two and a half hours. I'm a heel, and Bob's a baby face. Right. And they don't fucking know. It's, you know, it, it, yeah, we were doing, we were doing like, um, at, you know, at least at least three shows a week. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and or, or Thursday, Friday, Saturday, at least. And then you can pick up, you know, you can pick up some bullshit shows for um, Rambo, who ran on Tuesdays in Hagerstown. But see, that that was like a two and a half hour drive for for no pay. It was basically just a chance for you to go work out with some students, right. kind of thing, and. 
And then after a couple times going down there, I realized I'm not going to risk getting hurt. Um, I've been around like too, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I've been around too long to go out there with some fucking, you know, brisket, some bone. <laughs> well, later that night, apparently you guys didn't have the titles very long. Later that night, however, they lost the titles to the James Gang, BG James and Kip James, in a three way dance with the Holy Rollers when referee Earl Hebner turned heel and made a fast count to give them the win. On us? Yes. I have no idea about this. I was going to say, I was going to ask you if you remember working with uh, Road Dog and Billy Ass. No, not at all. I, I think that's completely fabricated. <laughs> I have, I have, I mean, I don't even think I was even involved in that. There's no chance because I think I remember that. Because I was watching Mr. Ass like Wednesday night and I'm thinking, like, I don't think I ever met him. Maybe Archie Mitchell, Archie Archie Mitchell edited your your Wikipedia to put this in here. Maybe. <laughs> and and well, Road Dog, yeah, I could say uh, I could see that because I be I was friends with I, I became friends with the family. I could see that, but I just don't remember Mister being wrestling Mister Ass. But yeah, maybe it maybe it, it could have been like one of them deals where, what do they do the deal? You know, like when it's um, did you say it was some kind of deal we won and you said it was short-lived yeah well you had won the titles you and you you had won the titles earlier in the night and then later that night which so i'm assuming they're probably taping tv or something but you lost the titles to the james gang in a three-way with the holy rollers oh yeah that could have just been a deal where they said we, we, we won and then they came back out later on and just kind of like it was a quick you know what i mean a quick one mm -hmm. That's what it sounds like to me. Like that was just a quick one because I don't remember being in the ring with them. I, I mean, maybe I wasn't even there, in the ring with them. There's another. I mean, this next sentence has you in the ring with them again. The Slackers were given another chance to win the titles back at the March 26th Phenomenal Four show, but lost to Danny Doring and Danny Jacks in another four-way dance with the Holy Rollers and the James Gang. Huh. Well, they must have liked working with us. <laughs> I mean, that's usually how it works. I mean, you, you don't get to work with guys again if they don't want to work with you. Right. And, and me and me and Dino, we, I think we took pride in the fact that anytime they brought names in, whether it be the women, the midgets, the pregnant women. The pregnant midgets. Yes. <laughs> like they, 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 put up, they put them with me and Dino. Well, that wraps up another paragraph of Chad's Wikipedia page here on Reliving the Extreme. So now we will dive into this week's episode of ECW that we viewed and reviewed. It is the episode from January the 10th, 1995. We are, we are finally into the, the year 1995 here as we started it last year. And the show begins with Tully Blanchard. And um, he cuts a very short promo, but it... Serves its purpose because, obviously, with Shane Douglas talking about Ric Flair all the time, Tully says, Shane Douglas, one of the horsemen is afraid of you, but this one's not. But wasn't Tully already there? He was just announced last week to face Shane at the next show. Oh, so we, he hadn't been there yet? No, not yet. Yeah, his name was announced, and this was his first, like, on-camera reveal. All right, so when do you think this promo was taped? 
I bet they taped it the night that he did the match because I'm pretty sure. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure this this TV show, this TV show takes place after the event. Um, it, it wasn't taped after the event, but it's aired after the event. But they just didn't talk about the event yet on this show. I'm assuming. Yeah, I'm sure that. I mean, Tully only came in for what I know was what. Maybe two nights. I think it's two because don't they have a? And we'll find out. Obviously, we're we're gonna watch it. But they 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 have a match at the arena, and then I think they have a match that's like outdoors or something. That I, if I recall, what at New York? Possibly, yeah. I mean, like <laughs> I said, I'm pretty sure we're gonna see it, but I don't know why. But I just I remember Shane Douglas and Tully Blanchard at, at somewhere that looked like it was outdoors or or lit like it was outdoors anyway. I think that was in New York. Um. As, as you know, like Tully was, I, didn't I tell the story? Is the reason why Tully never came back? Because, I don't think so. Um, because Paul wanted to use Tully full time, and I know this firsthand because I, I was there. This is not secondhand story. I was there. I heard your argument. It was Tully, um, Shane. They wanted to put Shane over on Tully, and. And Tully said he wasn't going to do it because he wasn't going to be, um, which I, I, I don't have a problem with this. This is, this is business in my, in my opinion, from a guy who's been, been around, you know, 25 years at that point that he wasn't going to do a job for Shane if they weren't going to do like a rematch. So he wanted a three month, a three month deal. That's what it was. A three match deal. Is what Tully wanted, and and Paul wasn't willing to pay Tully the money that Tully wanted for a three match deal. Mm-hmm. So Tully wasn't going to do the favor for Shane, which is is you know it's crazy to me. You know, <laughs> if I if I if I if you book me to come to your house and you want me to like clean your pool, that's what I'm doing. Right. So, <laughs> You know, you're going to pay me to come and clean your pool, then I'm going to clean your pool. So if you're going to pay me to come put over Shane, I'll put over Shane. No matter what I, who gives a fuck that I beat Bob Sweetan at the, you know, the San Antonio Hemisphere in 1983. And, and Tully just didn't want to do it. And he, I, I, I don't blame him because it makes business sense, right? Right. Why wouldn't you want to do a three-month program? And you can you can see where you could do a time limit draw the first time, you know. You you can make you can make a case for Tully on this, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it. and as far as the East Coast goes, just thinking about you know that's how that's how well you know the WWF the East Coast wrestling was booked for years. Yeah, I don't know how how it is where you guys are from, but yeah, the East Coast is a three month run. You get the first match where it's kind of either a a draw or you know something happens and like a sec- finish. What's that? It's like a fuck finish at the beginning, and then the heel goes over in the second one, and the baby face gets his comeuppance. Yeah, you know, basically that's how it kind of works. You know, that's that's basically how the psychology is in the East Coast. That's how we that's how we've done stuff up here for ages. Yeah. From Bruno through Backland. Yeah, the Brunos are brutal. 
I watched I watched some Bruno stuff today. Good night. Oof. How is he in the Hall of Fame? <laughs> I ain't I ain't never seen him do anything besides kick and stomp somebody. And oh, somebody. I, I I I totally I I, I hate to say this because the guy was a legend, and I take nothing away from the fact that he was a draw. He was a draw, but I'm the same way. Like when when I was a kid, because I was a kid, you know, in the in the early '80s and growing up, and then. So I never saw Bruno. Fuck, I didn't see Bruno. I did. I wasn't alive till 1978. But anyway, <laughs> so then you go back. You go back and you you watch it, and you've heard of this legendary Bruno San Martino. So then the first Bruno, full Bruno San Martino match I watched when I'm like 11 or 12 years old is on this tape, and it's him and Kowalski, and it's fucking terrible. And I'm like, how is this guy a legend? I mean, I didn't understand at that point. I'm a kid. I didn't understand the psychology of being a draw and, and the ethnic thing and how what, how he was such a, such a big part of the culture. But the match was stunk to high heaven. It was terrible. Yeah, I watched the I, – I, you know, a lot of them matches, man. I watched a couple of doozies today that I was just like, you fucking got to be kidding me, man. And it, I think it was Tony Atlas against Jose Estrada. I mean, oof, that's on a whole different level, but but you know what I mean. Yeah, it, it's that time that time frame, just the way they sold. And my God, could you imagine the Sandman in like 1979? You know, <laughs> you know, he's managed by Freddie Blassie. Not woman, Grand, Grand Wizard, Grand yeah. Wizard. Oh man, I would love to watch the Grand Wizard fucking manage Sandman. You know, again against Bob Backlund, that'd be fucking great. Like you know, you know how they used to bring in like you know a new guy every three months, and then Sandman just wouldn't go away. They brought him in for the three month run. And then he just kept showing up. They're like, yeah, they're like, look, oh, we're, try we're oh. trying to move, we're trying to move on to Killer Khan here. Would you just imagine, <laughs> imagine Sandman managed by Captain Lou Albano? Oh, <laughs> holy fuck, that would have been fantastic. Oh, uh, it, Sandman in the WWE in 1980 with Captain Good Lou Lord. Albano as his manager. And because Captain Lou would would absorb whatever fucking characters he was managing's look, so it would have been like it would have been like Sandman, like a T-shirt and some Zubob pants, and fucking Captain Lou would have been wearing them, smoking cigarettes. <laughs> and Captain Lou's already drunk. Yeah, <laughs> he's been he's been fired twice today. Oh. <laughs> he, can, he can come to the ring with a beer with Sandman. A fucking drunk hack and Captain Lou Albano coming out together. Oh, that would have been fantastic. Yeah, that's a doozy there. <laughs> well, I, I, that That's some fantasy booking that I would love to see like there. Captain Lou Albano managing the Sandman. <laughs> They're both bleeding and nobody knows why. It would be fucking great. <laughs> The amount of no shows that would they would be, <laughs> you know, like spot shows, like they they'd make the big towns because of the big paydays, but they wouldn't make Scranton, you know. 
the Hamburg Fieldhouse, you wouldn't see them there. Stay by the phone, Cicluna. We don't know if Sandman's going to show up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we had the Baron on hold. <laughs> they'd, be ask, they'd be asking where the cat, the, the captain is, and they'd be just like, "He's his new name is Captain. I don't know." Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> his room number is zero. The show starts off here with Joey after the Telly Blanchard promo in the ECW arena. And uh, I know we've mentioned this a few times, Chad, you've asked the question a, com- a couple of times when we're talking about the arena, have they added the new, the extra bleachers yet? This seems like this is when that happened because Joey is really putting over the top that they've redesigned the ECW arena and added new bleachers to accommodate the amount of fans that want to come watch the promotion. Yeah. Um, and they did. Uh, and and it really was bleachers. That's the best. Because how do you how do you um fire zone that? You know how many people do you detonate could be on the bleachers? And ECW, even if it said okay, you can have. I mean, what would you say? One hundred and fifty, two hundred people on a set of bleachers, right? They put four hundred. <laughs> Does Pennsylvania have a strict commission? Well, they they did, but at this time they didn't regulate wrestling. Mm. It didn't come along until not not too much further from now, before they realized there's money to be made here. Right, you know. Mm-hmm. And anytime you deal with, you know, politics, that's politics. And they realize, oh, there's money to be made here. So, yeah, then um, then the commission started putting their, they started sniffing around, if you know what I mean. Like, oh, wait a minute. What do you have going on here? You know? Yeah. Maybe we can get our hands involved in this a little bit. And that's what they did. And they didn't. They didn't do anything because all it was was Paul just still just putting um a check in their hand. And, and and normally it was before the show. The commission would come in. They would look around. They would observe the building. They would observe the talent. They would you know they take a look around and then Paul would hand them the check. You know for the for everything. And they would go along their merry way. Yeah. Fifteen minutes worth of work. Yeah, that's the way. That's the way. Like what? Ninety percent of commissions work. I mean, that's the way it works in Maryland. I mean, Maryland's a little, a little more strict than that. Maryland, you know, the commission will stick around for a little while, but at the same time, they'll they'll turn her if you say, "Hey, listen, we're gonna we're gonna do this," and then. The commission guy go. Well, this is when I'm leaving. Yes. <laughs> this is this is what time I have to be to dinner. Yeah. So, if, yeah. If you say I'm going to put a guy through a table, a flaming table, or this and that, and then you know, you know, you know how it works, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. The uh, Steve, uh, like I said, Joey now interviews Stevie Richards. Who, of course, as we've been we've chronicled the past few weeks, has been imitating all of Scott Levy's gimmicks, Johnny Polo, etc. And Stevie's excited because he says, 
well, he has been saying he's going to produce Johnny Polo. And then we actually get a 911 chant. But anyway, um, they talk about Tommy Tommy Dreamer being in Japan. Uh, this guy wants to talk to Tommy Dreamer, just Johnny Polo, but it's not Johnny Polo. He inter- he introduces him as the Raven. Um, uh, obviously, the V is going to be gone. But this is the first appearance of Raven in ECW. Well, I I even wrote. I mean, this this is before I even knew that this is Raven. That I just wrote. I think I wrote. I smell Raven. I when when I saw Stevie coming out mm-hmm. and all that, I I didn't know exactly when Raven was coming in, but at that point in time, I just. I just smelt it. I was like, yeah, this is this is about Raven's time. And it is um I I don't know. I Raven's one of my personally one of my favorite gimmicks of all time. Um and mine too, I, but I was excited to see him show up here. Uh, uh, <laughs> Yeah, it, it was all right. He was all right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know how it is. But you know, the, yeah, you know. The question I was gonna ask, and I I don't wanna sound ignorant when I ask this question, was and Chad might know the answer, was Raven a gimmick that Scott Levy had when Paul signed him? Or was the Raven gimmick an idea that Paul had and thought Scotty was the guy. Does that make sense? It, it was a hundred percent Raven. Raven went to um because from what I remember from what what Scotty had told me, or you know the conversation we had was when he was in Portland and he moved back home, back to the East Coast that he developed that character and he thought that ECW was the perfect place for that character. And I I mean, I'm sure that he pitched it to Paul, you know, behind, you know, all of our backs kind of thing. And, um, you know, and, you know, Paul being a sucker for the, the East coast guys like that, that he, he fell for it. And, I I liked it. I thought it was I thought it was great for the time period, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought it was great too. I just didn't. I just wasn't sure if it was like a, like you said, like a pull idea, and he thought you know Scott Levy be great for it. Or if it was just a Scott Levy idea that was oh this would be custom made for ECW. No, it was totally a fucking. It was totally a Scott idea. Totally, Scott came up one hundred percent. And very rarely in wrestling do you get, I mean, you could say, you know, honestly, you could say Mark Calloway with The Undertaker, or you can name me some others probably, but very rarely do you get someone completely reinventing themselves like Scott Levy did here. As many times as Scotty has reinvented himself. Yeah, yeah, it's for sure. I mean, I remember Scotty like, like being a big fan of him in Portland when he was Scotty the Body, and me and my buddy used to like, like, like he's the best thing there. 
Like, why is he still? Why is he still in Portland? <laughs> no, he's way better than this. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, like when he showed up in Memphis, that was great because we were like, "Oh, Scotty's in Memphis finally." And then we realized, okay, he's finally he's he, he's he's not under contract, but you know, at for that me, point, for me as a as a at the time, I would have been fourteen years old. Or fifteen in nineteen ninety three, him and the Quebecers were so fucking entertaining together on Raw. You know, just just to put it just to put it in a generational a generational perspective, um, they killed it. He was so entertaining as Johnny Polo there for me as a wrestling fan in ninety three. Um, but yeah, and then the Raven character just I love that character too. I just. I, Scott Levy is one of my faves. I mean, I know you well, they, know they, you actually they, know him, Chad, and I don't. I just observed him as a mark, but they completely underutilized him when he was a manager, when he was Johnny Polo. Oh yeah. Because like he was still like in his um if he wasn't in his late twenties, he was in his early thirties. Because Scotty's older than we think he is. Mm-hmm. And but he was still like in his prime of his career. So why are you making him a manager? Right, right. And like what, I said, for me, it, it resulted in entertaining. I was entertained by it. But now, retrospectively, I totally see your point. Yeah. I mean, why are you using, why are you not using this guy in the ring? Right. Like, he's got a lot, he's got a lot to give. Like, not just um, because it was mine, because nobody, I, don't, I, I mean, as far as I know, he didn't book anything until right about now. You know, the, the time frame that we're covering. Mm-hmm where he's coming in because he booked all that shit. That's all his, he, he had that shit like notebook stuff. In the WWF, he wrote mania, which he said took him like 10 minutes. <laughs> and then he, he yeah. just, just go home. Like it took me 10 minutes to write that stupid show. Right. Of course. <laughs> I mean, we all, that's why the show lasted as long as it did. <laughs> and it's not because of him. It's because the, nobody took that show serious. Right. So why would I? And Raven's like, I'm not going to spend time writing this stupid show where I, I got to deal with Todd Pettengill. Yeah, he would tell the office he was in the studio and tell the studio he was in the office and he'd actually be at home. <laughs> yeah, he, he ain't doing nothing. What a gig. Well, after this, of course, Raven making his debut, uh, cutting the promo with Joey Styles. He kind of berates Stevie Richards for losing his last match and not uh, keeping his winning streak going. At this point, they're kind of like alluding to him being Richard's manager, which we know is going to change very quickly. But then we get a match. It is Stevie Richards versus Hack Myers. Hack, of course, is in a neck brace, selling the injury from Chris Benoit a few weeks ago. And um, any comments on this match, guys? Um, I, I feel bad for Hack, man. Because um, Hack only Hack came up there with me and Axel. Okay, mm-hmm. where's Axel? Axel is uh, he's getting t- tag team title shots. Well, I mean, he's basically on his way out at, at this point. Um, I'm I'm like I'm ready. I'm getting it. I'm getting a small push, or in the middle of getting a small push, and Hack is kind of like there. And they really don't know that Hack is with us. So Hack is kind of like an island where he has nobody to go to bat for him. Mm-hmm. 
to say like, hey, this guy's got something. Paul saw that he had something, but nobody could, you know, this is what I saw. Like nobody could kind of like vouch for Hack and be like, give Hack a shot, man. Well, and he seems like, and, and I'm not comparing them as wrestlers or whatever, but just thinking about thinking about promotions and how you how you build wrestlers and build stars, he almost seems to me like like the way they kind of use Tito Santana in the WWF. He's not a jobber, but when we bring in a new heel or a new star, we're going to put him in the ring with him, and he's going to do the job to get the new star over. Or, does course. that make sense? Yeah, like he's yeah, almost in the, he's almost in the Tito role. You said Tito. I thought of a different guy, honestly. Dominic Danucci? No. I almost was going to say Jim Duggan. Ooh. Like, what? Like, I, I, I look at Hackett. What era? Jim Duggan. What, like, the, the WWF. No, like the, like, the early 80s, late 80s. WWF Jim Duggan of the he's like the guy that looks like us and like crowd interaction like the sha sha thing is almost like ho you know and he's just the guy that looks like the every every man and he's out there doing his thing you know what I mean dude the crowd crowd ate it up man and and hack hack did a great job dude I mean I can't say anything more about hack because like I like I just said, he, he was an island to himself. He didn't have anybody going to bat for him. He didn't have anybody like in the back because there wasn't like a booking committee and nobody was gonna be like, Hey, we had this guy who's over. Like he was over and I'm not even sure if anybody really know that he was over, you know what I mean? He was kinda like undercover over That's kind of how I feel about Duggan. All right, and then I guess that makes sense. Like I think, yeah, he would, but Hack, they Hack, was him. A, Hack was a Hack was a, a an extremely a valuable um, talent when it came to like he had credibility, he had credibility with the audience, and then when he lost, you know, ninety percent of the time. But when he won, that's great because the next month he would lose to the what a Benoit or you know whoever they right. brought in. Yeah, like, and, and like I said, it, it might be dumb to compare him to Duggan or whatever, but I just looked at him as being like an everyday guy that the crowd sympathized with him when he lost and when he won, they were like, hell yeah. Like, Yeah, that's my guy. That's my guy, you know? Like, the working class guy. And that's how I feel. Like, Nate, I'm, I, I understand what you're saying about Tito, but I'd look more of him as like a Duggan. Duggan. If I had to, if I had to compare Tito, like, <laughs> Hack Myers, Jim Duggan. If Hack, I had Hack to, saw Jim Duggan, it's Hack Myers, Jim Duggan. Yeah, if I had to compare a Tito in ECW, it would be JT, in my opinion. But Hack was more Duggan, in my opinion. Well, you always got to have a JT. Like yeah, you know, you got all the Tito, but you also have to have that every man, and that's what fucking Duggan was, and that's what Hack was. Yeah, I mean, they're like um. They're like what Tommy Dreamer became. Like, they're martyrs. They're there every single week, no matter what. They got no room for nobody. <laughs> they're out there every single week, and then the crowd appreciates that. And then eventually you're going to get over that way. 
when they they see you like he's not he's not fighting um you know Frank Marconi every single week. He's fighting Benoit, Ron Simmons. You know what I mean? He's fighting yeah, all sweet. these guys. So it's it's lending credibility to to, to Hack's brand. That's what I'm saying. Like Hack looked like the guys in the crowd. Kind of. I mean, minus the actual physical look, the the hair and all that. Nonsense. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like the build and the and the. Hey, he's a slob. Yeah, and they're all slobs out in the crowd. So they. No, I said be... slobs. I said slobs too. Okay, I thought you said snobs. No, there weren't any. That's today. that's today. Yeah, that's the neck beards today. <laughs> the neck beards. Well, Stevie Richards win this, wins this match because Raven comes in, does the loaded boot gimmick, and uh, the grapplers. Yes, kicks uh, kicks Hack with the gim- with the loaded boot, and Richards wins the match. Goes over with the help of the the newly debuting Raven here on this episode of ECW. The match was fine. I don't have any notes on it, but it was fine. It, it served its purpose. I can't help but think that I'm partly responsible for that fucking. Raven with the grappler thing, because like when we were when we would get together, that's the kind of stuff that we would talk about. Like how stupid it was. How are you loading your boot? <laughs> like how does it? You know how does the actual does the, you know the aesthetics of it work to where you you kick your boot three times on the mat and then. The, there's a what a piece of steel that's gonna like shift to the front look, of your look, boot. Little bag like, of lead, little, ba- little bag of lead, lead, little bag of lead BBs or something in your foot. How did you? How did you walk on it properly out to the ring? I know. I mean, me. That's that's the kind of stuff that like every time I see Raven do that little stupid stuff. That's like that's the kind of stuff that we would always talk about. Like it's it's just the silly stuff, and then like the crowd bought it. You know? Yeah. They did they just they saw him like load the boot. What the fuck are you loading? You know, it's <laughs> like you know, you, you would think you would put like a CO2 cartridge in the back of his foot. <laughs> you know, like that would be loading the boot kind of thing. But you just kicking the mat three times, like all of a sudden there's a shillelagh that's gonna be there, you know. How'd you work the rest of the match like that? Yeah, that's that kind of stuff to me is it's silly, but yet nobody thinks about it. And and that's the kind of stuff that me and Raven always just joked about. It's this like um it's the um how do, how do you say like suspend believability or whatever in it? Suspend disbelief. Yeah. He said, yeah. Next year, Joey, once again, again, like I said, beating it over the head that we are expanding the ECW arena because so many people want to come watch. And how ECW is debuting on the MSG network. Um, And then he talks about this party at Club Expo in New York City to celebrate the, uh, the debut of ECW debuting on the MSG network. And now the public enemy are going to crash, try to crash the party, which never actually happens on the show. We do see the public enemy arrive, 
but that's all we ever see of them on the show. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, that I, I never did any of the New York stuff, and and apparently that's like that was like um, that was like stuff that was shot not for TV. Like it wasn't like you know it was shot aftermarket, so to speak. Yeah, you know they just had the camera because Paul had to fill t- had to fill time. Because there's no chance that I was going to be part of any any of that. And I'm sure there wasn't a party, per se, celebrating the debut of ECW on the MSG Network. Oh, I bet you there was. Oh, I bet there was. Paul knew, I mean, Paul had all the connections. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean, I guess you're right. You know, he goes back to the Studio 54 stuff and all that. He knew a lot of people in New York. I mean, it may not, it may not have came off on TV that, that way, but yeah, I mean. No, we're going to get to it. It comes off on TV as very amateur, but. <laughs> um, Aaron, any comments on this public enemy deal? Uh, I thought it was funny that the bouncer was like, you guys are going to walk around with those belts in New York? Yeah, right? Like, somebody's going to fuck with the public enemy. So what if a couple of guys beat them up on the streets? They're going to be the ECW Tag Team Champions? <laughs> like, just imagine if they were just walking around on the streets and a couple of guys beat them up. And then at the next ECW show... These two other unknown guys show up wearing the belts. And Paul's looking at him like, who are you? What are these W Tag Team Champions? <laughs> what happened to Johnny Grunge and Rocka Rock? I don't know. They're in a dumpster somewhere. Yeah. I mean, that's that all. They've read Paisano's Pizzeria laying out back. <laughs> well, then we see uh, the ECW champion Shane Douglas show up to the party with four hookers. Yeah, I, got, I got some possible audio. What is that? What close captions in? I got some possible audio. Let's see if All it, right. let's see if it will. What the hell is this? That's what Shane's dancing to. Oh, they haven't got to him dancing yet. He just showed up in the limo. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, it's uh, later on when we get to it. That music oh, yeah. Aaron's playing I'll is play it again. The awkward <laughs> porno music. That, uh, but yeah, Shane Douglas shows up in a limousine to the party, and then Joey recaps the uh, the stuff we saw last week with Mikey Whipwreck and Paul Loria. Um, and then we get the Extreme Encyclopedia segment. Oh, good Lord. I got, I'm amazed about that too. <laughs> uh, the Extreme Encyclopedia, if you've never seen it, which I'm sure anybody that listens to this show is, but they have an Extreme Encyclopedia that they show little pages of it on TV, certain characters in the ECW program, and they, they give a description of them. But the fun part is the, the alternative names that they give them, which I wrote down. Uh, so did I. Um, Aaron, you can go ahead though. Okay, um, it's um, Sandman. He's Mokasus, Brotherus, and the description of Sandman is a cigarette smoking wrestler with a 
with a persistency for violence and an athlete with no regard for wins or losses. <laughs> All right. Well, how do you how do you get paid in the wrestling business? I mean, in in the in the in the work world, wins or losses. So Sandman's working for nothing. <laughs> I mean, you always you always hear about the winner's purse. The winner's purse. Sandman, he don't care. Then what's he doing this for? I don't fucking know. <laughs> and then we got the extreme um, encyclopedia about woman. Are you guys ready for her description? Yes. Woman. Foxius. Gridius. The aberration of the classic woman or the classic American male fantasy of beauty and seduction. A seductive henchwoman with an appreciation for money. That's about right. I mean, you're not lying. Explains the gimmick. Yep. Yeah, it, it totally does. I mean, you can't you can't even throw any more, you know, adjectives or you know, at that to describe her. That's that's definitely what that is. The, yeah, only, that's, thing that's the only thing we could have added was hot as fuck. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, Jobberus Maximus was me. <laughs> that's probably coming up. It's it's like me and Don A. It's like. It's guys that don't know any better. That's the definition. Guys that enter competition that don't know any better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it shares 911, then it shares me and Donnie Allen. It says Jobberus Maximus. <laughs> guys that don't know any better. So now are we ready for the Shane porno music? You didn't describe a. Uh... Too cold, Scorpio, or did you not write him down? I forgot about him. Oh, his promo? No, oh, his, I wrote what I think his promo was. Oof. <laughs> well, his 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 alternate name in the uh, the ECW encyclopedia is what is it? It is Grappless Acrobatus. Is Too Cold Scorpio? Oh well, I mean. I mean, I'm not, I'm not bitching about that. I mean, do that, you think that's wrong or that? Nope, it's spot on. Does it sound lame? To, you know, I don't think it does. I think it sounds spot on to me. Because Scorpio, it's always like, like Scorpio's always, he's way like worse of a human being than his character is. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So like when you hear that stuff, it's like, yeah, that's that's what he's portraying. That, that's it's him. That's him. But in real life, no, not a great guy. But yeah, I mean, I can see that. That makes sense to me. What, what did you say? It was gravit. It was gravitus. Grappalus acrobatus. I thought it was gravitus mocracolatus. <laughs> Something like that. Grappalus likes cannabis. Grappalus, Mister Hughes. <laughs> I got the urn. 
Now, 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 Scorpio has the urn. <laughs> and somehow he'll turn it into a bowl. Oh yeah, you just put a little hole in the side of it. You're smoking the you're smoking uh, Paul Bearer's ashes. He <laughs> <laughs> takes a hit. He's like, oh yeah. <laughs> There you go. There's a character right there. <laughs> but yes, Aaron, up next we get uh, Shane Douglas and the Hookers at the ECW premiere party dancing to porn music. Nobody can see you. <laughs> I mean, nobody, nobody can see you. I don't care. All, I mean, all of Shane's hookers were disgusting, except that one in the little blue dress. She was good looking. Oh yeah, there was there was one that was halfway decent looking. The one in the little blue dress. Woof. You said woof. Woof. Yeah, I guess there was one that was halfway decent looking. Yeah, but we're you know, but these are the girls that what what is it, a Tuesday night in New York? <laughs> <laughs> this is a Paul because it clearly this is not like a weekend. They're they're not gonna allow no. You know, these are the ones that were dancing when they're doing like half price buffet. Yeah, half half price buffet. It's ladies night. You know, <laughs> C section scars. Yeah, it's it's a it's abortion night. <laughs> they're not dancing yeah. for dollars they're dancing for food stamps that type yeah. of thing could, could, you, could you imagine low budget night at a club in New York where you, you can have you can have food stamps you know you, you know and then there's a daycare <laughs> you bring your kids and, and you know and there's a crack room. Instead of a safe room, there's a crack room. Oh yeah, that's that's New York for you. I, that's why I never go to New York. <laughs> Joey interviews Shane and the hookers. Well, not and the hookers, but Shane standing with the hookers. Um, yeah, I guess strippers. I'm sorry, I keep calling them hookers. They're strippers, but. <laughs> But Shane says he got a flat tire on his limo, stopped at the club, and picked up these four skanks and uh, headed out to the party. And um, that's pretty much the gist of it, other than the porno music. I don't know what music they were actually dancing to, but it was awkward. Yeah, I don't even know either. I, I'm, I'm going to have to go back and look for that one, because that, that sounds like there's no chance that that was a, the music they were playing. That's the WE Network. That stupid Paul from XM. That's <laughs> that doing that fucking stupid edit. But yeah, I, I mean, I I love this stuff because I wasn't there. I didn't go to any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. I I never went to New York at all because it was just it, it it just cost too much money. 
for me to do any of that. I mean, I would have if Paul would have asked me to come, but I would be like, you, you know, it's not going to be like I'm coming there just to dick around and hope for a payday just to be there. But I'm coming there because I want to get paid. But no, you know, I'm not getting paid to go there. So I'm all, I wasn't going. The next segment on the show is Two Gold Scorpio coming out for his main event match here with the Sandman on the show. And I, I did write down that he's uh, he he even mentions that there are more people in the arena, but he says, Skazam, there is a lot of people in here tonight. Thank you, Two Cold, for that that glaring observation from Two Cold Scorpio. Because um, they brought him for new bleaches. <laughs> of course, the crowd is into him. Um, I, I, I think I got his promo written down. Oh, good Lord. This is what I think. I, I, I don't know, but I think this is what his promo sounded like. It says, hey, 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 here comes the hot stepper. Who is too legit to quit? Not me, as I've been spending most of my life living in a gangster's paradise. Hey, hey, hey. Cash rules everything around me. Around me. <laughs> <laughs> I like big butts. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh my God, Mikey. <laughs> Look at woman's butt. <laughs> <laughs> Could you just imagine like, how how fast it took Paul to write that promo? <laughs> just think of every stupid song, you know. Just bust a move. Yeah, he just he just wrote down everything, you know. I'm rolling with my homies. He tells me he tells women, "Oh, baby, you." <laughs> yeah, I I can just see Paul sitting in the room, just writing down all these stupid lyrics <laughs> of of crappy rap songs. Somehow he got to work funky cold Medina in here. Oh um oh yeah, we definitely could. That's gonna be like we're gonna have to find somebody that can that can do some like musical stuff and and make a song about Scorpio to Funky Cold Medina. <laughs> well, oh, that's cut- great. He's cutting his promo here about uh, Dean Malenko and Chris Benoit. Malenko and Benoit show up, and um, essentially Scorpio tells them they're in the wrong motherfucking house. And uh, they beat up Scorpio, drop him on his head, and leave him laying. The, the, they have shown, like, I, I, I forgot to mention it as we went through the flow of the show. Um, they have shown videos to emphasize that Benoit and Malenko are injuring people in ECW. Um, yeah, hack and what? Sabu. Me? I think I was in the video. Yeah. <laughs> he said, yeah, yeah, you were in the video. Yeah, I was sidelined. And it is funny, too, because when they drop him on his head, the ECW crowd cracked me up because they dropped too cold on his head. And then did you catch what the ECW crowd started doing? I did not. They went, whoop, there it is. Whoop, <laughs> there it is. As soon as they well, knocked him on his fucking head. that crowd well, Apparently none, none of the ECW crowd are paramedics. <laughs> They're not. They're not first responders. <laughs> there might be a p- couple of paralegics out there, but no paramedics. <laughs> yeah, they're, 
they're yeah, they're definitely not rushing to the aid. Like, there's not a whole bunch of guys that have like collar, the collar braces <laughs> in, the, in the crowd that are they're all they're all fighting outside the ring. That's what it is. It's a battle royal of fans that have collar braces. Poor Scorpio. When they knocked him on his fucking head, and they chanted, "Whoop!" There it is. I was like, "That was funny." I can't. I can't believe nobody's ever tore off one of Scorpio's ears with a pile driver. That's, that amazes me. He would have the world's biggest cauliflower ear, dude. I mean, seriously, didn't you watch AEW the other night with Pac? When wasn't it Orange Cassidy or who was it that? Yeah, yeah it whoever was... worked, whoever worked Pac the other night, like his he his, he like bled from his ear. And whoever won had the blood all over his shoulder. I'm like, yeah, who the fuck? Why, you know, why wasn't there any? How the fuck did you not beat his ear up? I'm, I'm glad I don't have them dumbass ears. <laughs> fuck, nobody's giving me a headlock unless they unless they have a you know a badge and a nightstick. The. <laughs> The match that's supposed to happen here is Scorpio versus Sandman. And, of course, Sandman, being the heel, comes out to wrestle the match, even though Scorpio is hurt. And I wrote down here, when you don't have enter Sandman, Sandman's entrance seemingly takes six years. Yeah, it takes... When, it it, takes when, it's, yeah, when it's not the original music, it's like, Jesus Christ, is this guy ever going to get in the ring? I brewed a pot of coffee. <laughs> I uh, I put a pizza in the oven. And by the time he got in the ring, I still had like three minutes left after a 12-minute pizza being in the oven. Yeah. It, yeah, it's brutal. And, wh- and what's he do? He does nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Shane impregnated one of those horrors and they still haven't birthed that baby. Jesus Christ. Okay. All right. <laughs> Shane impregnated one of them whores. One of the ones I thought we were talking about the Sandman. Well, I'm saying the things that happened in Sandman's entrance. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, all right. Shane impregnated one of those whores that he took to Club Expo, and they have... They've they still haven't birthed Shane's baby yet. <laughs> okay, that's a stretch, but that's that's fine. We'll make it work. Did you imagine Shane's baby popping out with his big head? His big head. He's fucking angry for no reason. Perfect strangers playing. Oh no, the WWE version of Perfect Strangers. <laughs> Yeah, the WWE version of Perfect Strangers. <laughs> it's awful. It's actually the theme from Perfect Strangers. <laughs> yeah, totally. What's it, Balky? Yeah, beer comes Balky. <laughs> <laughs> Balky Douglas. <laughs> Balky Douglas. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the. It's one of the Artezes. It's like one. It, uh, it's like not Bob or Rocky. There's another Artiz. 
Balky Ortiz. Yeah, that's who's uh, that's who's Balky Douglas. Because Paul's looking around trying to find himself a Balky, and he asks Bob, "Hey, you got any more Ortizes?" <laughs> it's, it's probably it's 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 Sunny Ortiz. The baby pops out. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> why do I know why do I know all these fucking lyrics? Alright, shut it off. <laughs> we have it we have an engineer now. <laughs> Barely. What is Vandal Drummond working for us? <laughs> <laughs> what do you got going on over there? <laughs> what the fuck was that? I'm thinking of Shane Douglas coming out to the ECW arena to the actual theme song of Perfect Strangers. <laughs> that's, he's, got that's, like, he's got Bam Bam and Candido with him, and he's like, fuck Ric Flair. <laughs> <laughs> He's bitching about Balky. <laughs> He's yelling. It's, it's like, like, just take the Ric Flair out of it and, and insert it's Balky. Balky. <laughs> like all everything about Balky about Balky, Ric Flair. Balky, Balky drank the last of the milk. You know, Jane <laughs> Douglas in a situation comedy <laughs> about Balky. About him and Balky. <laughs> Balky's played by Sal Balomo. Oh, yeah, I can I can totally see that. <laughs> it's Shane Douglas and Sal Balomo, and all the storylines of Perfect Strangers. <laughs> yeah, I to- I totally can see that. Let me tell you something, cousin Shane. <laughs> and when do they work in a garage? <laughs> I mean, what, what are they doing? <laughs> they, have they... A sm- they have a small grocerette or a deli. Oh, deli. That's making, right. Oh. Making, making the sandwiches. It's a franchise. <laughs> oh, have a pound of corned beef. Uh. <laughs> What's the matter you? I need I need a pound of yellow American cheese. Uh. <laughs> and Shane's back there all just slicing it. And he's eating cheese, getting bitter. Yeah, they're just working this bordega. It would be fantastic. Oh, <laughs> the, the chipped ham. You know how much work goes into a chip and a ham? It's a, the Serrano ham. Oh, the Serrano ham. What's a Serrano ham? <laughs> That's what Shane's going. What's a Serrano ham? <laughs> you fucking idiot. <laughs> 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 Serrano. All I know is cooked and baked. <laughs> Anybody told me about no Serrano ham. That's the catchphrase of the show. Because every show in the eighties had a catchphrase. The end of the show ends, which is Shane looking at fucking Sal Balky and be like, "You fucking idiot!" <laughs> standing there. Wah, fucking, wah, wah, wah. You fucking idiot. <laughs> 
Wow, we just booked a whole new sitcom. Oh, I would watch that. <laughs> Shane on Perfect Strangers? <laughs> Shane Douglas and Sal Balomo, Perfect Strangers. Yeah, I can see it now. Shane, Shane comes busting in the door all mad because he's pissed off at booking and and when he runs in, Sal sitting on the sofa and he goes, what's the matter you? <laughs> and Shane's like, can you believe this? And he's like, what? What, the children? And Sal's like, do you remember? I remember my name. <laughs> the, the, you, would the, the, know, you would know the Ric Flair is better. Oh, come on, Mr. Danucci. Because they both went to the same school. Hey, oh, Mr. Danucci. It, it's it's not well. What would Jesus do? Is what would Danucci do? Yeah, like oh, what the, would what would Danucci do? Danucci's like their Mister Roper. Yeah, <laughs> the neighbor <laughs> landlord. <laughs> he he he's running a wrestling school that has rooms above it. And and and, and then Dominic's coming up, and he's <laughs> oh, there you go. And now we got a show here. Now we just got to find a network to pitch it to. Tubi. I think we can get it on Tubi. Yeah, we can we can put it on anything. I mean, they'll put anything, they'll put anything on Tubi. <laughs> Next week on Pluto TV. Yeah. Yeah, Tubi, man. They'll put anything on that. The match between Sandman and Scorpio <laughs> is essentially the, the, <laughs> The the story of the match, of course, is Scorpio fighting back from his injury. I know. I'm terrible at transitioning back into shit when we go off the rails. That's all right, though. Go ahead. For what the match is, it's fine. You know? It's not, it's not, it's not perfect strangers with Shane Douglas and uh and Sal Balomo, but it's fine. Um, a little back and forth with Scorpio getting the fight from underneath. I'm not stopping. It's incredulous. How can, how can you not stop? That's completely... What the fuck? That's <laughs> uh, the best. You're the most professional fucking person I know. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, how the hell? How the hell can you? <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I'll I forgot we were even talking about that match. <laughs> Scorpio yeah. wins it. Scorpio wins it with a moonsault, and that's all she wrote, folks. That's all she wrote. Oh, it was a great moonsault, though. It was. And Benoit and Malenko come back out after the match and, and do a beatdown on Scorpio. But the match was what it was. And uh, what we talked about instead was better. Yep. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's the best. But overall... 
<laughs> this, epi- this episode of ECW, guys, in all seriousness, what did you think of it? Okay. I enjoyed it. It's definitely, definitely. And I, know, I know we've said it a few times, you know, for a few episodes, but it's definitely, as Chad would say, a step in the right direction. Yeah, it totally is. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of enjoyed it. There wasn't a whole lot of, of real content as far as match why i mean yeah i guess there was and then there was a whole lot of the the, the special stuff sprinkled in they there made is, it sports I, I, entertainment i don't mean to cut you off there is one thing that i forgot to mention um because because we got into the the absolute <laughs> hilariousness of shane douglas dancing to porno music with the hookers did ron simmons channel him some fucking ernie lad during that promo or what Remember when Ernie Ladd was mad about the Samo- or about the um, the Samoans turning on him in in, in mid south, and he's cutting the promo with Reeser, and he's just pissed, so his voice kind of goes up a couple of times, and he's just mad. Ron Simmons channeled Ernie Ladd during his promo on this show. I thought. Well, I I don't give a shit who hell Ron Simmons channeled. All I know is I ain't fighting Ron Simmons. <laughs> He could channel. He could channel Ernie Ladd, Ernie Shavers, Ernie uh, Roth, Ernie and Bert. Ernie yeah, and Bert. Yeah. I'm still gonna listen. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm. I'm walking the other way. <laughs> but I, yeah, I just didn't want to go off not talking about because he cut a great fucking promo on Shane Douglas. Um, well, he was great, man. I mean, I don't, I don't know how many promos it took because there was no chance I was sticking around for any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how many promos it took for him to do that, but damn, he he did a great job. And uh, yeah, I, I thought he did a great job. It's just too bad that they just they couldn't come to terms mm-hmm. where he could stick around. Like, didn't he go to WCW? No, WWF after this. Oh, uh, okay. So this was a, this was all right. So yeah, this like, was just a, a, a fly by night for him. I guess I got you. Like when most guys cut promos and they stumble over their words, you're like, "Oh man, he fucked that promo up or whatever." But when like Ron Simmons does it, you're almost like he stumbled over those words because he's fucking mad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's gonna fuck you up. He's yeah. Seeing red, yeah. Like he's gonna, like, me- he gonna mess like, you up. Like one of Ron's, like because when he went to WWF, I even mentioned it on on the the show that I do. It's like a, a thing that he says, and I think it's just a natural thing that he says. He'll say something like he'll be like, "I'm gonna kick your ass," okay? Like that's just a natural thing that Ron Simmons, I think, the man says. So when he's like, "I'm gonna fuck you up," okay? And you're like, "All right, <laughs> I guess you are." <laughs> you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you stand there and just look at him, and he's like, "I'm gonna kick your ass." It's okay. the way he says it. It's not like it's not like me telling somebody I'm gonna kick your ass. He's like, I'm gonna kick your ass. And I'm like, I'm gonna shit my pants. All right. <laughs> we have a deal. If you watch his promos, he he punctuates it. Every sentence that he says is I'm gonna fuck you up. Okay. Yep. All right, all right sir. <laughs> That's gonna happen. I, I have pretty much. Like, I totally agree that you're probably going to do that to me. You're an intimidating motherfucker. Aaron, what did show. you I thought it was a good show. I mean, it was decent at least. Aaron, what did you think? 
I thought it was really good. Um, I enjoyed it. And there was, I know we talk about like recap championship wrestling. There was just enough recap that it wasn't like. Right. Like it, it, it didn't instead of happen. instead of recapping entire segments, they did like twenty five seconds recapping what's been going on with this guy for two or three weeks. Yeah, and it wasn't just showing you the video; it was Joey explaining it to you. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So, right. I got you. Makes sense. So, so it was Sounds Joe. Good. It was Joe being like the narrator of what you haven't seen, instead of just showing you what you haven't seen. So I, I enjoyed it. And it was a really good way to kick off 95, in my opinion. Yeah, you ain't kidding, buddy. And it made for a great podcast, gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, it, it was decent, man. It was good. Like I said, right direction. Absolutely. And I want to encourage everybody listening to, uh, if you're not, follow us on social media, Reliving the Extreme on Facebook, the We Can't Wrestle podcast group on Facebook or any of the shows here on the WrestleNet Radio Podcast Network. And um, that's all I got. So, guys, thank you for joining me. Listeners, thank you for listening. And uh, we will see you next week on Reliving the Extreme. Have a great week. Hopefully next week I can figure out a way to get, like, cheers or my two dads in there.